good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. I'm your host, Chip Hazard. I'm your host, Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra. And I am excited about this particular episode of Something About Sports, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're all, you know, big fans of professional wrestling. And I'm actually sitting in my brand new podcasting space watching WrestleMania 20 on my little television in here. And I'm getting ready for WrestleMania in 16 days. WrestleMania will be going on in Tampa Bay. And so I figured I sent, I found this list from Bleacher Report, sent it to the guys and said, hey, guys, what do you think about this? They said, hell yeah, we're down with it. And this is the top 10 most controversial WrestleMania moments in the history of WWE. Now, WrestleMania has been the breeding ground for some of the most <coughs> unbelievable moments. Bless you. Some of those unforgettable moments in WWE history. However, there has been a spur of controversial moments from unexpected losses for iconic competitors to heel turns that failed. The show of shows have been has been the home to some of the biggest moments, but also some of the most shocking and sometimes infuriating moments. So with WrestleMania 37 almost certain to I mean, they're going to provide at least a cup one, maybe two good moments. We are going to talk about 10 of the most controversial ones right here about in the history of the granddaddy of them all. So, Roger, you want to take the first one? Uh, sure. We'll start with uh, number 10 on this list. And remember, this is not our list. This is Bleacher Report. Yep. Yeah, our, list would probably be, yeah, our list would probably be more chaotic. Um, <laughs> Definitely more chaotic. <laughs> um, but no, number 10 is uh, the main event of WrestleMania X8 or WrestleMania 18 for some of you. Um, Triple H and Chris Jericho headlining instead of Rock and Hogan. Uh, I mean, everybody's seen it. Rock and Hogan, to me, is one of the best psychological matches with the heel turn in the middle. Uh, the Rock understanding what the crowd needed at that moment, even though he was the face. Um, halfway through, he realizes that Hogan's still getting cheered, and it's still NWO Hogan and WWE, not WCW, so right. it's not the same. Um, but no, um, the thing is that people don't really like the fact that uh, Triple H and Trish Jericho main evented it. Um, but I mean, obviously it was for the title. But I was going to say, but it was it was for the title, and you know, they the built the story. I mean, <laughs> right? They built the story. It was for the title. And uh, as we know, Vince is always a stickler for putting the the main event, the you know, the strap for the main event. Um, well, I mean, to be honest, why wouldn't it be? At this point, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, that's that's the 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 number one prize in the game. Right. Uh, no, no pun intended, since we're talking about Triple H. But you know, the 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 World Heavyweight Championship. That's what everybody aspires to to grab well this time it was the undisputed so it was most titles exactly so did two so i mean this really most titles was up this was before yeah this was before they uh they brought out the brand new undisputed championship title this is back when they still had the attitude era wwf title and the w the the wcw heavyweight championship the the big Um, gold yeah the big gold belt yeah uh, the Big Gold and the Big Eagle, as it's called. You know, I'm, I'm still partially I'm a fan of the Winged Eagle because that was the title that was the WWF Championship when I first started watching wrestling. So, um, now memories. But anyway, um, although I did like the new design, the new look for the WWE Undisputed Championship, the one that was held by Triple H and then Brock Lesnar. You know, um, you know, it was the, all right. the the uh, the, uh, the Ruthless Aggression Championship. I think some people have dubbed it because it was. You know, it just—it was just something different. It was like a combination of both the Big Gold and the Attitude Era uh, titles. So, right. Um, 
but yeah um and as far as hogan and the rock goes i mean you i mean it was literally when people say the clash of generations it would be the equivalent of it's gonna sound it's gonna sound redundant but it's it would be the equivalent of lebron james going one-on-one with michael jordan you know or fucking joe montana on one side of the field tom brady on the other side of the field this is that you know it's that you know it's the, the freaking you know the, the it's like nolan it's, ryan fixing the pitch to fucking barry bonds you know it's, it's that type of matchup you it's, know it's the it's it's literally the battle of the the number one guy from one era and the number one guy from another era it's, it's the battle of the eras right and i think a lot of people you know people i think that's the reason why so many people enjoy those type of matchups is because it's the what would happen if matches you know um but i mean but then again it was also it's two not only two different eras it was two different styles as well you know rock was it well, but, well, I think yeah, you, it, I mean, you could say I mean, that rock style was a little bit more flamboyant and more oh, athletic. Yeah, I would say definitely more, definitely more athletic than Hogan's was. I think rock being a former football player, you know, having that pedigree um, and also having the pedigree of like the, the generational lineage of his family, you know, and Hogan, you know, having the, you know, starting great. And that, but most of Hogan, we talked about it before, like. Most of Hogan's Hogan's best years, and when he was in WWF, I mean that was media creation. You know, it wasn't just him. Because let's, we I think we can all agree that Hogan isn't exactly the greatest technical wrestler in the world. You know, but he knows how to. You know, he knows how to. You know, you know, talk the crowd into the building. You know, and that's what he did for many many years. You know, and you got and that's two why guys. So and, many people. Right. Like he buried so many people. We we will get to that and we will get to that later on the list. Trust me. I mean, I can literally have a top ten people married by Hulk Hogan list and go off about that. Right. right. Like, I'm not, I'm not a Hogan fan. I never was. I was a Monster Man fan, so he had lust in his eyes for Miss Elizabeth. I did. <laughs> we dig it. All right, uh, Chip, you got the next one, Bubba. Uh, yeah. Next up, we're gonna talk about uh, blood in the Hooser Hooser Dome. Hooser Dome. There you go. Yeah. Damn. Uh, um, so, uh, as we know, WWF in 92 was more of a family-friendly product that emphasized larger-than-life cartoon characters and downpl- downplayed violence, right? Right. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah, so um, this is why it was such a surprise to see crimson masks worn on two separate occasions at WrestleMania 8. Right. First, first you had uh, Bret Hart suffered a laceration that left him fighting from underneath during his match with Intercontinental Champion Rowdy Roddy Piper. He overcame the blood loss and vision impairment to regain the title. But Ric Flair was not so lucky. The Nature Boy, his hair stained red, failed to retain the WWE Championship against the Macho Man. Flair, who was caught blading on camera and a little, uh, insider information here blading is how a lot of the wrestlers get their blood it's a you know a a small razor blade uh taped up often carried inside the mouth during a match or by the referee when it's time for the blood they pass it to the wrestler the wrestler nicks you know their forehead so they get the blood Uh, right and they mess up their foreheads 
for oh, life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep. they messed just, his forehead bad. Perfect just, examples: Devon and New Jack. Oh, oh, Dusty Butcher and Dusty too. And Dusty, yep. Well, yep. I was trying to say people that were alive. Hmm. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, rest in peace to Dusty Rose, but his his forehead did look fucked up. I mean, oh yeah, it was horrible. I mean, Abdullah yeah. the Butcher literally had fork like in his head. So, yeah. but Brody's yep. was getting there before his passing. God rest his soul. Passion? Um, you mean murder? We, yeah. we we we've talked about that on several. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that yes before his murder. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, Andy Gonzalez. Anyway, yeah, um, there's no there's there's no ands ifs or buts about that. That was cold blooded murder. Cold blooded murder. Um, yeah. So uh, Flair was caught blading on camera. He was fined for this action. However, Bret Hart managed to convince Vince McMahon that his laceration came naturally. From- yeah, as in hard way. For those who don't know, that means when you really get busted open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I remember this mask or this this match, and the the, the crimson mask from Flair. It was, uh, I mean, typical Flair from you know WCW NWA times where he would he would literally bleed buckets. Oh, yeah, God, he, yeah, that man must have taken like four hundred aspirin before the match. Do either that or he's just a free bleeder. I mean, it's no Flair drank so much alcohol, his blood was so thin it, it would run like a river. Right. Yeah. That was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we 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 forget about the uh, the alcoholic uh, times, we... but you know, I'm I'm sure. Did we'll... we forget? Well, he probably forgot. We didn't forget. We. <laughs> Hell, I don't know that Flair ever quit. Hey. No, because like a year or two ago, he was caught in the airport, uh, faded. So, oh, yeah, you should. Oh, dude, you should have seen him the night we. Uh, you should have seen him the night we 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 uh, escorted him. Me, it was me, Chip, uh, Terry Lawler, Bobby Hayes. We uh, we walked him over to a cigar bar in Rome, Georgia, after we did the Superstars of Wrestling uh, show, and uh, <laughs> he was he was kind of he was kind of wonky then. He was. <laughs> He was, he, he, was. He already sounded like he had a little bit of a few, couple before going to the to the I, bar. I, I'm sure he had enough uh, then to uh, it would have made any of us faded. But oh, he, he was just used <laughs> to it, right? <laughs> he he, yeah. I mean, he was gone, man. Yeah, yeah. man. But so. all right. So next one, Triple H retains the WWF Championship in the main event of WrestleMania 2000. Okay. Prior to 2000, heels didn't leave WrestleMania with the WWE Championship. It just it, it just didn't happen. Hulk Hogan, Macho Man, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and Stone Cold Steve Austin made sure of it, right? Well, entering that year's event, it felt like The Rock would follow in the men's path and defeat Triple H in the monumental Fatal 4-Way match in the main event of WrestleMania 2000. Well, what fans did not account for was the swerve booking that would turn everything upside down. Damn you, Vince Russo. Anyway, no, no, he wasn't even with the company at the time at this point happened. No, he was already in WCW killing that product. But anyway. Oh, yeah, he was. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk WCW 2000 on a later date. That that deserves a whole fucking... Without, dude, that... As much, Do we want to know? as much of a shit show that was, you don't think it'd be entertaining to talk about? Yeah, but that means we would have to rewatch it. Oh, damn. 
Just watch. Okay, okay, just watch. Just watch Bash mm-hmm. Two Thousand, and that'll be it. Uh, that sums up the whole nah, that, year. That's a, that's asking for a lot. A whole yeah, pay per view event. Uh, it's the most a whole event. A whole event. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just watch the promo he cut on Hogan. You big ball son of a bitch, kiss my ass. Anyway, let me get through this. So what the fans didn't account for was the <laughs> swerve booking that would turn everything upside down. With the McMahon fa- with a McMahon family member in each corner of the competitors. As in, excuse me, The Rock, Triple H, The Big Show, and Mick Foley, there was plenty of potential for added drama and intrigue. What no one expected was Mr. McMahon to turn heel, betraying The Rock, and joining forces with his spooled daughter Stephanie and his evil son-in-law Triple H. Triple H would benefit from the steel chair shots from The Rock by McMahon and became the first villain in the event's history to leave the prestigious event with the WWE WWF Championship. The Rock eventually is lost by dropping the people's elbow on Stephanie, but that did not make up for the disappointing conclusion to one of the biggest shows of the year, nor did the backlash that that decision deterred McMahon and company from booking it again three years later when Triple H defeated Booker T to retain the, w, the, the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania 19. Still, to me, to me, that one should be the one on the list. Yeah. Say what yeah, now? Booker T. Booker T. Should have won that match. I, I, um, I agree, hundred percent. Booker T. Should have. The won. worst part of it is that Triple H pedigreed him and waited forty-five seconds to pin him, and Booker T. Still took the fall after forty-five seconds. Right. That. Yeah. That's so disrespectful. Like, yeah. That's. And they were trying to. They were really and like the lead up to that match was so bad it was literally a racial implication. Yeah. Yep. Where Triple H kept saying, "Boy, carry my bags." People like you don't ever get the title. Like. Wow! Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, really now? <laughs> even I mean, hell, and even in 2003 standards, that's like, what the fuck, dude? Because nowadays, shit like that would never come across television or whatever. But I mean, no, I mean, even- I mean, they sort of did it with Kofi and Daniel Bryan, where he was a B plus player. He'll never do it because people like him don't have it in them, right? But yeah, it wasn't really. But racial that was more. Ma- but that was. But, but that was more Vince McMahon. Than it was Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was just like, "I'm the champion. I'm gonna kick your ass." Uh, he 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 was he was on a, uh, a a bigger plateau as far as you know saving the planet. Ask you know, but but there was whether they wanted to say it or not, there was a racial component to the Kofi Kingston story going into his match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. But uh, they they did it in a positive way for thankfully they, they did it in a very yeah exactly. Think about if he would not have won. Oh God, it would have. Oh my God! <laughs> the, the WrestleMania twenty-eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, WrestleMania uh, thirty-six would have been or uh, thirty-five would have been done. Like no, they they would they would have stopped it. Like we don't we don't we don't even, we don't even give a fuck who wins between uh, Becky Lynch and them. Like we don't even care. You know, um, I think it would have been bad. Um, but no. But anyway, back to this thing. Um, this particular matchup. The here's here's my thing. Like I understand. Like I understand the concept of the baby face. You know winning triumphantly in the end you know because wrestlemania is supposed to be the culmination of the biggest stories that are involved with the company um but the problem i think was in the year 2000 this was around the time that the internet wrestling community kind of started its embryonic stage where they you know you've seen it with vince russo and wcw where he would play to the the internet marks and play to the people who you know wanted to know what was behind the scenes and all this kind of shit um that's why wcw still thrives to this day say that again 
I said, and that's why WCW still strives to this day. <laughs> right. <laughs> Standing strong so hard right now. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You, you it, can tell it, the sarcasm. It, no, it really voice. does. No, it really does. It's it, called it, AEW it, now. It's called AEW, but yeah. It's, it, no, listen. It, get it right. It's T-N-A-E-W-C-W. Total nonstop All Elite World Championship Wrestling. Uh, shout out to you, QT Marshall. Anyway, uh, so anyway, back to this particular. Uh, no, no, shout out why? to him. He ain't, he ain't booking us because he's the only one I know from that. Anyway, no, but he ain't booking you. He ain't helping you out there. He would even if he was booking me. Shit. But anyway, he ain't shouting out my podcast. You, yeah. shout, you shouting him out in the fucking catch up episode. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, hold on. I don't know what. Don't tell me I was jealous. Anyway, no. But seriously. (laughs) No. um, So, but at that point in the year 2000, it was different. Weird, in fact. Even somewhat, you know, against the grain, if you would, for a heel champion to come out on top, especially with it involving a heel turn. Um, So, you you guys remember this match particularly, correct? Yeah. Yeah, it was was the best match of this card, but that was a weak card anyways. Well, every card was like a multiple man uh, match with hardly any remember that hardcore scramble match oh yes that was that was just probably no actually was entertaining like it's probably my second favorite match on the whole car it was an entertaining shit show (laughs) i can't remember any other match on the card but you know right of that match and the the main event and that was it of that of yeah that match the opening and the closer i don't know what happened in the middle yeah yeah, everybody fell asleep, apparently. I don't know. All right, so, Roger, you got the next one, or are you going to go off on the <laughs> go off again? Because I know this is probably going to be – you're probably going to go off on this one, too. So, go ahead. I mean, I'm, I go off a lot of these, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. Well, there's one uh, I'm waiting for. There, there's one on this list that I'm very much waiting oh, for. Oh, we all uh, know which one. It, like, we will – like, as soon as it's said – I think I have to read it too. Let right. me see. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, real quick. Here's the card for uh, WrestleMania 2000. Here you go. Uh, you had Bossman and Bull Buchanan versus The Godfather and D-Lo. Why? Uh, you had Hardcore Holly <laughs> versus Crash Holly. Uh, TNA, Testin Albert uh, versus Head Cheese, Al Snow and Steve Blackman. Al Snow and Steve Blackman were a tag team? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For, for uh, a while, actually. Then you had Edge and Christian, Dudley Boys, and Hardy Boys in the uh, Triangle Ladder match. Yeah, before the TLC started. Mm-hmm. Okay. Terry yeah, Runnels yeah, versus yeah, The Cat. Versus who? The Cat. Uh, Ernest the Cat Miller? No, uh, uh, no, uh, Stacy Catterton. <laughs> she uh, she was uh, yeah, Jerry Lawler's Carter. ex-wife. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about Ernest the Cat Miller. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yo, wait, I'm about to rewatch this." <laughs> Damn, did I really uh, forget something? <laughs> <laughs> you had China and Too Cool versus the Radicals, and the Radicals consisted of Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Eddie Guerrero. Um, then probably the what I think was the best match of the card. Benoit, Jericho, and Kurt Angle in a triple threat for the IC title. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, when you were reading the card off, I was thinking about it. It's like, Jericho and Benoit Angle actually had a match. And I was like, that much, like, for for everybody out there, Kurt Angle and Benoit, when they have a match together, no matter what, 
stipulation is always going to be the best match on the card. Yeah, right. that, that's why I think their match at 18, was it? Yeah, it was 18. Oh, yeah, it's probably the best. That, and it was so technical. It's so beautiful. Me, as oh. far as like sing, not like excluding tag teams and multi, multi-man matches, like it's just as far as it's just singles matches goes, that's up there in like top five for me. I mean, their, their match at the Rumble was good. Uh, and, and, the and cage it, match they had randomly on SmackDown was good. Yeah. And, and, and sadly, we live in a day and age where, I mean, say whatever you want about the man, Chris Benoit, and what he did. He didn't do nothing. It was a setup, triple homicide. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we will. That's another conspiracy theory. That's another we'll conspiracy talk. theory. We'll move on. It, yeah. ain't no, it ain't no theory. When you change I, I, evidence multiple times. I'm just, we will talk about that couple. on a future episode. <laughs> 100 for sure uh, this is uh, a great idea <laughs> yes uh so here was the semi-main event for wrestlemania 2000 kane and rikishi versus x-pac and road dog oh wow um isn't that when they kicked kane out of uh, uh dx that or was, was it before that was when x-pac that's when x-pac turned on him yeah yeah okay and then he had that stupid match for oh. Mm-hmm. Why did Xbox get so much play? Like, I don't know. That I don't match know. Only I still to this day don't know why Xbox gets got so much heat. Because he's not good and he was abusive. Okay. When you're young, and, you, you, and then you think obviously good? the the main event was Triple H, Rock, Big Show, and Foley. So, right. All right. Next All up. Right. Next All up. Right, so Andrew. next one on the list is uh. Sting losing his first match in WWE. Did he lose both his matches in WWE? I think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so WrestleMania 31, we have this big buildup. Sting versus Triple H. We're all excited. 2015, Sting finally having his WrestleMania moment. And... <laughs> um, there was a whole bunch of fuckery in this match. Just, just read it. it was just, so just read bad. It. It's bad. It's just reading it bad. So the whole thing breaks down to pretty much DX versus the NWO, which makes no sense for Sting. Nope. Because he was the the nemesis of the NWO. Yes. Right. So the whole thing is just horrible. Um, you have a bunch of old guys out there that can't wrestle, try to wrestle again. Um, Triple H and Sting have a sort of okay-ish match. Um, Triple H gets the pin. Yay! Mm-hmm. The crowd <laughs> went mild. Yeah, yeah. And it was that it was during the, like the Levi Stadium one, so it was literally daytime the whole time. <laughs> so like you didn't get the cool effects and everything that they wanted, which was another bad idea on them to do an outside show on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean you could do an outside show like in Orlando, Miami. <laughs> New York, like, I mean, because most of the time, you know, suns, if the sun goes down, I mean, if you start WrestleMania at 7, yeah, you're going to have a couple of matches that's going to be in somewhat of that twilight, you know, but then it'll it'll fade into into the darkness, and then you can start, you know, having matches where the fe- special effects will actually mean something, you know. Um, and then there was one, what was it? Obviously, the, the it, really, I think the only thing that saved that Mania, and I thought the Mania was an okay Mania. I thought there was a couple of good matches on the card, a lot of cool moments. But, you know, I think that people would probably look at it a different way had Seth Rollins not done his cash-in that night, I guess. 
Uh, it, it would have been more like, oh, that motherfucker, Triple H, buried Sting on fucking WWE TV. <laughs> but then again, when does WWE ever have a good track record of promoting guys who wrestled for the competition? You know? Uh, AJ Styles. All right. Well, I'm talking, okay. Yep. WWE <laughs> specifically. Booker uh, T. WCW? I Booker mean, T after that. I mean, yeah. the built-up, everything before that Triple H match, he was actually really good. I mean, he feuded against The Rock. He had a really great match at SummerSlam. Um, his booking with Stone Cold was some of the funniest and some of the <laughs> best matches, too. That, that, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that, super, that, that supermarket bash? Come on, man. Dude, that was funny shit. I really did like it, that. It was literally him running into Triple H's power power trip. That's all it was. Yeah. He got buried from that, but then he... It was so random that he started a team with Goldust right after that, and they yeah. were actually really good together. That, that was a funny team, dude. That was a, that was a pretty cool. But team. they worked so well together. So I mean, Booker T's only little blip was that Triple H, like little run. That was about it. But 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 he he was the. I feel like he's the exception to the rule because if you think about it, after oh, I definitely whole, think he was the exception. Right, because yeah. I mean, other, I mean, yeah, I mean, they did the thing with Goldberg, but Goldberg, I was saying Goldberg, yeah, but Goldberg was more like the he wasn't part of like that old guard, you know, because because Goldberg had came in and Booker T was still a tag team guy. They didn't really think of him as main event, you know. Hogan definitely didn't think of him as main event um, because he was black. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? How many black people Hogan ever put over? That is true. Well, the well, the Rock. He put half a black person over. <laughs> the Rock well, doesn't, doesn't even. I was gonna say the Rock. The Rock doesn't even really like count his black heritage. He, he's it's all I mean, he, Samoan. He does, but when it comes to wrestling, like his Samoan lineage is stronger yeah. than his black lineage because it's, it's only his dad on the black side. I mean, you know, R.I.P. to the to the man, Rocky Johnson. Yes. Amen. One of the best, one of the best out there to do it. That dude was such a stud. Like, was was he yeah. not? Uh, speaking of it, have you guys seen the TV show Young Rock? I'm about to because I got Peacock and I know it's on there, so it I'll is. Be watching it's that. so good. I haven't it's had so good. Yet. There's rugby on there too. <clears throat> is there? Yes, oh, there is. Shit. All right, um, I'm gonna have to watch. If that. you want to watch a really good game, um, I was watching it last night, but the replay of England versus Ireland. Okay, whew, that's some that's some stout boys playing right there. That's some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely be putting that on, <laughs> right? All right. All right. So, but um, so uh, the last thing, like, I was right that um, after this WrestleMania loss, he did go against Seth Rollins and lost again, and that was his last match because obviously he hurt his neck. But I mean, he had two matches, lost both of them at a pay per view. His build ups yeah. match were great, but the match itself wasn't. I mean, the Seth Rollins match was okay until the injury, obviously. Yeah, I thought that Seth Rollins match was was pretty good uh, up time, until that injury, and you know they uh, they even banned the buckle bomb after that for a long time. Yeah, but in 2015, who was better than Seth Rollins? Um, who was all in NXT at the time? Well, I'm, I'm not, uh, not like even. I mean, no. I mean, but, I mean and, and that's and that's no disrespect to Seth Rollins. I mean, if you're talking about like the top tier guys in the company, Seth Rollins is definitely up there. I think. Uh, I think personally, in 2015, I would have put in 2015. I would have put him in NXT over anybody. And I'm a huge diehard NXT person. See, yeah. Seth Rollins had the best probably run that any guy in any brand, company, whatever had in 2015. Right. He yeah. beat Lesnar, Roman Reigns. He held that title for a year, became one of the nastiest heels 
but kept winning his own matches for yeah. the most part without help. I think I think yep. had he not gotten injured, uh, who knows? Yeah, if he wouldn't have blown his leg out. <laughs> yeah, or was stinging hurt. No, I'm talking about Rollins when these guys. Rollins, but no, 2015 Seth Rollins was like was like above everybody else at that point. Yeah. He was definitely he was definitely the one that a lot of people were talking about. Um, so yeah, he was definitely. And then the cash in at that mania just made. Well, it. So we're doing at that mania. He ran against uh, Randy Orton and lost to that beautiful RKO off the curb stomp. Yes. Oh my God. Still, there's it's one A one B for me as far as the coolest RKOs I've ever seen. What's the other one? Uh, the Evan Bourne uh, shooting star. Shooter star. Yeah. Um. There was another one that he did on Rey Mysterio where, you know how Rey Mysterio always does the, like the slide at it, like he does like the baseball. Yeah, so he caught him. And then he caught him on the outside with it. I thought that was just insane too. I was like, wow, that's a crazy one. You know, kind of like when you when you see Shawn Michaels, when someone does a springboard in the ring and Shawn Michaels hits him with a super kick out of nowhere like he did with Shelton Benjamin on that. Shelton Benjamin. That was the first match on that Raw and it was an hour long. Dude, it yes. was freaking amazing. That was such a beautiful, like that's how so you start cool. a, that's how you start a Raw after Mania. You yeah. put on a classic. Like, nobody ever remembers a, when it was, but everybody remembers Shelton Benjamin taking that super kick. Yeah. And, and that, that, I wish they would have done more with Shelton Benjamin. Like I, wish. They tried to, but he ran into Evolution, remember? No, I mean, no, yep. I mean, no, because he was, I mean, but, but, but H, H put him over to get that finals, uh, to get that, because uh, he was in the Elimination Chamber match. Yeah, triple, and Shawn Michaels put himself in it. Well, I mean, he put the, him and Shawn Benjamin had a beautiful match. Like, yes, but at that time, I I didn't see Shawn Benjamin going to the Elimination <laughs> Chamber. No, even though he had such a great showing, like I was like, ah, like it wouldn't make it wouldn't feel right for him to be in there because you know he'd get jobbed out right away. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Shel- I feel like Shelton. I mean, could they do something with him now? Probably not. I don't think that that's his role anymore. But I do feel like they had a really big missed opportunity with him back in 2005, 2006. Like he could have, oh, I could, I, if, out of all the quote unquote team angle guys, he would have been the one that I seen winning the WWE championship or world heavyweight championship at some point. And they almost did it a um, couple times, but they yeah. pulled the trigger on it. I wish they would have let him win the money in the bank the first year. Yes. But, and, but at that point, edge was the guy ready to take the next step. Oh yeah. yeah. So it, it made sense, but like Shelton Benjamin is good enough to be booked into the right position, but is he the right guy at that time? Is the issue? Yeah, and at the and at the time, this was two thousand and five. They were Batista was fixing to win the World Heavyweight Title. Cena was fixing to win the WWE Title, and because Vince was like, "These are my two guys that's going to lead my my, my 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 television programs over the next twelve, you know, ten to twelve years." You know, Batista didn't last as long as Cena did, but. You know. Well, you got to think. You got to think about it this way. Bautista was handpicked by Triple H, right? Bred to be the next one. John Cena literally grinded. Yeah, grinded. He, he came up with. He had that the prototype gimmick works in developmental, but when he tried to bring it up here, it didn't work. He tried to figure out what next to do. He got very vanilla. Then he's like, "I'm going to take a chance." That chance worked, and then he got better in the ring and he got better on the mic. Where right. as many people hated Cena and talk crap about him, that man can wrestle. Yeah, yep. he like look at look at all the matches that he put on with AJ Styles, with CM Punk. I mean Kevin Owens. Remember when Kevin Owens came up with the NXT title and stepped on the US title? Yep. Yes. 
Yeah. That that right there put Kevin Owens on the map, and John Cena literally let that man pin him. Yeah. Um, twice, and then he beat him on the third one. Yeah, I think a lot. And th- there was a there's a, I seen a countdown. Um, I don't know if you guys know. I don't know if you got Chip. I know you know. Uh, Roger, I don't know if you know the. Uh, it's a YouTube channel called Wrestling with Regret. Um, yeah, I know Zane. Yeah, th- yeah. Um, he has a top eight. Uh, he does the top eight videos. He has one that says the top eight guys who are buried by John Cena. Um. The, the Nexus is up the there. The Nexus? Uh, well, you could say the whole group Nexus is number one, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah um, that was the biggest That was the biggest regret I've ever seen. Though. Yeah. Uh, they said like, Renee, Renee Dupree was on the list. I think Kenny died. No, no, no. A, uh, the thing with Renee Dupree is that he got hurt and then he got, um, he became addicted to alcohol. Like, he, he was good. And I was a huge fan of Renee Dupree, but he got hurt. And when he came back, he was bloated and he was sloppy. Right. Then yep. they put them together with Kenzo Suzuki. They were a great tag team together, but at that point, two foreigners, one was Asian, one was French. That's not what that's not what it lasts long. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Nope. All right. So you got the next one, Chip. I do. Next up, we're gonna uh, talk about the uh. eighteen second, <laughs> the eighteen second world heavyweight title match between Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. And this is at WrestleMania 28. Uh, other matches that uh, <laughs> were on WrestleMania 28, you had uh, Rock versus Cena, Undertaker versus Triple H. You had uh, Jericho and Punk for the WWE title. Yeah, that was a good um, build up too. That was so good, so yeah, good. That the drinking issue, like they they yep. brought that little bit of real life in, and it worked so well. Mm-hmm. But no match was more significant to the immediate future. Of WWE than the 18 second squash of Daniel Bryan that started the show, the very first match on the show, right? <clears throat> so the the loudmouth world champion stood across the ring from the 2012 Royal Rumble winner Sheamus, planted a obnoxious kiss on his then girlfriend AJ Lee. The bell rings, Sheamus blasts Daniel Bryan with a bro kick and captured SmackDown's top title. Fans expecting Bryan to have this outstanding wrestlemania match and moment were dismayed the fans who had chanted yes along with him as he hit the ring now chanted in a more defiant no over the course of the show uh daniel bryan's name could be heard in chants throughout the orange bowl they bled over into the following night's raw and the treatment of daniel bryan sparked the yes movement that would culminate in his coronation at wrestlemania 30 and while this story certainly had a happy ending it was the company's infuriation or infuriating treatment of him in Miami that lit a fire under the WWE universe. Without their vocal backlash to the events that unfolded that year, who knows what Daniel Bryan's path to the top of the company looks like, or if it ever happened at all. Yeah. So one thing, like it says, Daniel Bryan's path to the top of the company. He was at the top of the company. He had the title. Exactly. Like I've always hated that they always built this up to where he would never be champion or never was going to be champion. Like he was champion twice already. Let, 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 let me see if I can kind of um, spin this in a way that could make, make, could make a little bit of sense about it uh, to clear up your confusion. The World Heavyweight Championship at that point wasn't considered the top championship. The top championship will ever and for always be in Vince McMahon's eyes, the WWE Championship. Well, and, to Vince, the, the top championship is always Raw's championship. Right. right. Well, 
Right. Well, I mean, well, the Raw champion at the time was CM Punk. So, you know, he was, you know, he was champion at that time. But the World Heavyweight Championship at the time, that was it was the title that was normally put on the best wrestler, the one who was the the quote unquote the true workhorse. It was it was looked at the same way they look at the Intercontinental and the United States Championship in the similar way. You're just the top workhorse as opposed to being other workhorses in a sense. But the WWE champion, though, that's the champion that matters the most. Um, so I can kind of understand why Vince McMahon, because I, I guarantee you, Vince McMahon looks at the big gold belt and all he sees is the WCW heavyweight title because that's where the belt originated from, you know? So he doesn't look at it as his creation. Therefore, it's less than the WWE championship, you know? Um, yeah. But so back to the topic at hand, though, I don't think this is the most controversial moment of this particular WrestleMania. I don't I don't either. No. I think CM Punk and Chris Jericho being not being the, the semi main event was was more controversial than Daniel Bryan losing in eighteen seconds. Right. Yeah, the issue is that it was in Miami, so you know you had the rock be a main event. Right. You know this once in a lifetime moment <laughs> that happened very <laughs> twice. Right. But here's the thing, let's not let's not let's let's not um let's not go on both sides of the fence here because in the first topic we talked about how the Rock and Hogan because of the atmosphere and because of the hype that was surrounding it should have been the main event over Triple H versus Jericho mm-hmm. for the title. I, but me and Chip no, both agreed that no. the title should always be a main event. Yeah, but but, but, the, but that should have okay. been a main event. You're right, you're right. <laughs> but and so so now here comes the question, okay? Is the main event always going to be for your championship, or is the main event going to be the title that is going to be the match that brings you in the most money? Because if we can jump ahead, go I'm sorry, go back a couple years, um, where it was at WrestleMania 26. Actually, yeah, two years, WrestleMania 26. The main event wasn't John Cena versus Batista, nor was it uh, who was the heavyweight title, uh, uh, Edge versus uh, Chris Jericho. It was Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, Streak versus Career. You know that for whatever reason, the streak versus the career stipulation was at what at at this point bigger than both championship matches were, because it was it's a career match that has more implications. Right. Somebody over the loser is they're not going away, right? But if it is, the, but but because oh we're gonna put this in the main event because it's almost like okay either the streak's gonna end or Shawn Michaels this is gonna be Shawn Michaels' last match, which you know spoiler alert it wasn't. But anyway, but yeah, <laughs> it was for quite a long time though. For a while, when, yeah. but but when you offer a couple mil to yeah. have a trash match, yeah, from a from a from a from a prince in Abu Dhabi or wherever whatever uh, city is over there in the uh, Middle Eastern countries, um, Riyadh. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it was Saudi Arabia. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. Riyadh. I don't, I don't know why I was. Yeah, Riyadh. That Arab, that's because how, uh, they do do one in Abu in um, Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but anyway, all right. So, so, but um, also this I don't think was the spark. Uh, it, it sort of was, but I don't think it was the true spark. I think the true spark was the uh, rumble that followed after this. No, well, not, he, not not the rumble that immediately followed. It was the rumble after because the rumble that because the following WrestleMania WrestleMania twenty seven, Daniel Bryan and Kane were team hell no, and that's when they uh, defended the uh, Raw tag team titles against uh, Ziggler and Big E. Oh yeah, yeah. Ugh, I forgot about right. that. We had yeah. the one, so the two years from there, 
um, where Daniel Bryan did come in and then was eliminated by Bray Wyatt and literally like the rumble, like people were leaving at that point. Yep. I remember that. Like they did not care who won and well, no, and then Roman Reigns no, wins it. No, 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 that was the one after. That was the one after. The one that pissed off, that pissed him off the most, was the one where he wasn't even in the Rumble. It was the same night that he wrestled Bray Wyatt. Do you know what I'm talking about? But the Rumble where he didn't come in was before WrestleMania 30. I mean, where he got eliminated was before WrestleMania 30. No, Bubba, right. that was WrestleMania 31. Go back and look. Go back and look at uh, rest, the, the the Royal Rumble before WrestleMania 30. He wasn't in that Rumble that following that following year. He was at WrestleMania 30. So 2018. That uh, 20. No 20. 2016. 2016. Yeah. Let me go. Let me go look as well. Isn't that the one where uh, Roman Reigns won, and that's why everybody was more pissed than ever? Yes. Yes. Because they came in at number 30 for no reason at all. No, the, none of the year. No, he 26 in. was Dean Ambrose won. Dean Ambrose won wow. the Royal Rumble? No. The one where uh, Triple H won against Dean Ambrose for the title at the very end because it was the Roman Reigns title stipulation. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, well, he didn't win. Which, <laughs> which is really surprising to me. WrestleMania 30 was uh, where Daniel Bryan defeated Triple H. Sorry. Yeah, uh, Daniel Bryan defeated Triple H and then went into the main event to defeat both Batista and Randy Orton. That's when they rehashed the uh, Evolution gimmick. Right. Yeah, and Batista came out Blue Tista style. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ironically enough, WrestleMania 30 is not on Peacock for whatever reason. I don't know why. Because they haven't moved everything over. Yeah. But all all the other WrestleManias are already over here. Like why would they intentionally skip thirty? But anyway, um, yeah, let me. Click. They probably have some kind of stipulation still, right? Uh, so yeah, no, two thousand and four. Oh, I'm sorry, two thousand fourteen was the year that uh, the because it was also significant because Daniel Bryan wasn't in the Rumble, and also that same year, um, CM Punk. That was the last official match of CM, CM Punk one. Yeah, WWE's. Uh, yeah, that whole thing. That's when Batista won. The That's Royal. Batista won, yeah. Because uh, uh. because the, because the company was wanting to do a all evolution main event, and in a in a weird way that kind of it's kind of what they got, except it was Daniel Bryan instead of Triple H, you know. And is it, I mean because we all kind of had a feeling that it was gonna be it was gonna turn into this, but I mean for. I mean that yes thing. It transcended wrestling because they people in sports arenas were doing it. People in high school gymnasiums were doing it. Like, I mean, it I mean, was doing independent shows when Daniel Bryan wasn't even there. You know, so I mean that's what happens when you you're, you got the momentum on you, right? All right. So next one we're going to discuss is one that a lot of people still to this day did not appreciate, did not like, but we're going to talk about it. Stone Cold Steve Austin turning heel at WrestleMania 17. Now, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the undisputed top star of the Attitude Era, an anti-authority rebel whom fans threw their support to and behind in his war against the evil Mr. McMahon. For years, the Texas Rattlesnake and his and his mango, mango, mango maniacal boss, I'll say that word 50 times fast, 
made his life a living hell, and they made each other's lives a living hells, making the closing moments of WrestleMania 17 that much more controversial. As Austin battled The Rock in the main event that night, McMahon made his way down to down into the Astrodome and watched ringside as Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, became increasingly frustrated by his inability to put the Great One away. Then, in a moment that literally no one saw coming, McMahon aided Austin. He blasted The Rock with a steel chair and watched as Ross as Austin pummeled the most electrifying man in professional wrestling over and over and over again with chair shots. And then it happened. Seconds after Austin picked up the win and and the championship, he approached Vince McMahon and he shook his hand. In that moment, the Attitude Era as we all knew it completely halted. It limped along for another year or two, but Austin accepted McMahon's invitation for a handshake, brought brought a close to one of the greatest rivalries in professional wrestling history. And it also turned one of the biggest badasses in the world into uh, into a heel. Then turn the turn failed because fans wanted nothing to do with booing Stone Cold Steve Austin, rendering the finale of one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time eh, worthwhile risk, but one that it did not have a great payoff toward the end of, of the show. Um, so we've I think we talked about this on other episodes before. Um, I, we didn't talk about it specifically, but I had alluded to a, uh, a list about the great, about the, the top 10 heel, heel turns of all time and Hogan turning, Hogan joining the NWO, Martin Gennetti getting thrown through the window by Shawn Michaels and then Austin's heel turns up there, but it is controversial. Do you guys feel like this heel turn was controversial as they say that it is? No, no. I mean, at, at that point, the rock had gained so much traction as a baby, um, I mean, people were cheering both of them. There was not really any booing going on. Right. Right. This is also... So they had to do... You know, at this point, prior to this, uh, The Rock was really the the heel in all their altercations, but he'd gained so much traction that, you know, they had to do something uh, to keep this feud going on for years to come and the most logical thing was to turn Austin heel um it just kind of fell flat on its face right and I think people a lot of people forget in this at the at this time that in January of 2001 the ECW filed for bankruptcy at the same time WCW in March literally a week before this particular Wrestlemania WCW closed its doors for good because they did the whole thing with the uh, the simulcast from Panama City Beach and Shane McMahon coming out saying that he, I now own WCW and all this. Um, well, McMahon does own WCW. Right. Yep. But um, not Vince McMahon. Yeah. Shane McMahon. McMahon. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, which that in and of itself was probably a, a, a moment that a lot of people, a Monday Night Raw moment that a lot of people uh, will never forget, honestly. Um, but... I think that because you also have to remember ECW and WCW, there was a reason why the fans of those programs didn't care for the WWE. A lot of people feel like, oh, this, oh, the Attitude Era is too controversial. There's, you know, there's too much sex. There's too much violence. There's too much, blah 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 blah. Um, okay, but first of all, ECW had that going for years. Let me finish. Let me finish. Because um, if I don't, because if I don't get the start, I'll forget it. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people when the when the heel turn happened, 
instead of saying, oh, fuck this, we're just going to go over here and watch this or we're going to go over here and watch that. Instead of going to another company that there was no other company to go to because Vince McMahon already absorbed the other two companies. So they're just like, fuck this, we'll just go do something else other than professional, watch something else other than professional wrestling. So, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to get that thought out for a long time. No, you're good. I was about the same, like, the attitude era thing is like, ECW was doing that way before. Like, <laughs> the attitude era was soft compared to original ECW. You're right, but oh, WC- God, yes. the ECW didn't have the the presentation and the distribution that WWF had at the time. You know? No, but it, it definitely had leaked out there to people. Right. Like people knew who they were. I mean, it got to the point where remember Vince McMahon actually um, invited ECW to actually do an invasion angle and put some of the guys over. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't go as long as it should have, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't remember too much of, uh, too much of the whole ECW thing with WWE happening. The only thing, I, the only true thing that I remember, um, I remember Paul Heyman being on commentary, Paul Heyman and Jerry Lawler having like an altercation in the ring and Sabu falling off the R. What about uh, Taz putting the Taz mission on Jerry? Yeah, he put the Taz mission. Oh, I, thought, I thought that was an yeah. EC. Was that on Raw or was that on ECW programming? It was on both, wasn't it? It was on both, yeah. I remember being on ECW programming. Yeah. I don't remember ever remember it being on Raw. I may, I, yeah, may, I, don't, yeah. I may have skipped that episode. I don't know. This, hell, well, hell, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't as big as the ECW one because, I mean, the right. ECW one obviously had the, the the fan base that wanted that. WWE was like, who's this small guy putting Jerry Lawler? Who's this small guy putting the commentator in a chokehold? Like, <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know, and then Lawler took, you know, a bunch of like mid to lower tier card guys to ECW to do an invasion. You know, that's when Al Snow left to go to ECW <laughs> uh, and and really did some of the best work of his life there. Right. I mean, because he, so. when he was in WWF, he was Leaf Cassidy and he was uh, Avatar and he was all these other gimmick characters. And then once he went to ECW, he fi- kind of found his niche with the whole mannequin head and they people thought that he was legitimately crazy because... Al would tell stories about how he would literally go to restaurants with the head and have a conversation with the fucking mannequin head because he wanted people, he wanted people to buy into it. Wasn't kayfabe great? Yeah, yes. he Wasn't actually, he actually talked because I asked him about that once, and he said he said Jimmy Valentine has a uh, has a great uh, quote. I don't have to make people b- believe that wrestling is real. I just got to make them believe that I'm real. And, and, and I said, I thought Dutch Mantel said that. He goes, it's been passed around from generation to generation. Hell, if you if anybody asks, tell him I brought, I thought it up. I'm like, okay. So, so yes, yeah, so Al Snow said, uh, you know, but, you know, which, I mean, you, I mean it, that's something that's, you know, you don't have to make them believe wrestling is real. Make them believe you're real, you know, kind of deal, you know. And, well, that's and, why you had these gimmicky Saturday morning character archetypes right. that but, got over so well. Yeah, but, 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 but I mean, it, it wasn't. The, there, it wasn't as many crazy characters. Well, I take that back. That's a lie. There was a lot of crazy characters in the Attitude Era, and there was probably even more. There was crazy. a crap ton of them. Oh my god, a horrible amount. Remember Puke, Puke, the Goon, the Mountie, uh, Gobbledygooker. That wasn't uh, Attitude Era though. That wasn't Attitude Era. That was like pre-Attitude. That was like ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. What was that Attitude Era? Mountie was. The Mountie was the Attitude Era. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Right beginning of the Naruto era. I do. Didn't he get straight booed out before he actually got to do anything? 
if he did i don't remember i don't recall that you had the godwins the smoking guns that was attitude error for sure yeah the was that yeah that was they were that was 97 that's attitude era okay for me okay so for me what is that there for you 99 to 2000 no for me okay (laughs) no because when you say godwins and see when i think godwins and attitude era i think of them doing the southern justice gimmick with, with uh jeff jarrett you know, the good by the time the attitude era really started getting into high gear, Billy Gunn was already with Road Dog at that point. For me, Attitude Era started at Survivor Series ninety seven. Yeah, that's when it starts. True job. Yeah. You know, but ninety six wasn't Attitude uh, Era. actually you know? Attitude Era starts before ninety seven. Well, like like stunt like well like like ninety six, would you say? Like ninety six King of the Ring with Steve Austin? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's when it, it it really started. Yeah, you know they. But I mean, remember they didn't Vince start did that using, big conference thing. Yeah, they didn't really start using that the what what most people recognize as the attitude logo until ninety seven November of ninety seven. But before that, I mean, they were really ramping up the uh, the attitude era. They just didn't call it the attitude. It wasn't really called the attitude era until much later, even. You know? It was around. Yeah, it was around. Yeah, if I think it was right after Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title at WrestleMania 14, I think, because that's because I think it's a blur, like with the Attitude Era kicking off in high gear or something like that. So, but, but anyway, all right. So, you got the next one, Raj? Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, so number four on this list is Sergeant Slaughter becoming an Iraqi sim. Uh, sympathizer and he headlines WrestleMania 7 um, I mean sometimes WWE plays into real world events and what better way than making the true American hero Sergeant Slaughter turn into an Iraqi sympathizer like right. uh, I mean it was actually really smart at, at that point um, but at that point it was the American hero somehow was Hulk Hogan instead of the military man I guess uh so WrestleMania at the Coliseum Memorial Coliseum, uh, we have this decent match. Uh, so the real thing is for this, like um, I, I can read the whole thing, but like pretty much what I said summarizes it a lot easier. Um, they had to get a lot more. Uh, they had to get a smaller area because they couldn't sell tickets. <laughs> um, they also had security issues, whatever that means. Um, Vince still went and they planned the main event. Um, like, the issue with this is that nobody cared at that point. Right? Yeah. Like, like they tried to use the real world event, but nobody wanted pol- the wrestling to be po- political. Like, nobody wants that. Yeah. Even even the times when WWE does use politics in some way, it's always a way of, like, of joking, you know? Um, like I remember in 2000, I mean, I think the biggest, the most recent example of it was the whole thing. And there may be another example I'm probably forgetting, but the one that always comes to my mind is 2003 with Muhammad Hassan, you know, two years after the 9-11 attack and the war in Afghanistan is going on in 2003, you know, and this was at a time when, you know, people, you know, had that, you know, fear you know, of, of the country being attacked again, you know, and WWE had the, had the thought to put, you know, a character on television who was as controversial 
um, simply because of the fact that he would talk about certain subjects. He would talk about 9-11 and persecution and things of that nature. And then there was the, uh, the, the debate on Monday Night Raw between Christopher Nowinski and Scott Steiner about debating the the uh, the uh, the 2003 uh, war with Afghanistan and if it was right or whatever which Christopher Christopher Nowinski came off very you know you know polished very demeaning you know calling Americans you know bullies of the world and things of that nature and Scott Steiner's promo was like you know America fuck yeah kind of you know shit um but <laughs> I'm just saying that's what it sounds he's like. not wrong <laughs> I'm not wrong that's just uh, the way he said it <laughs> oh yeah you know but yeah very uh <laughs> well the thing was the thing was wrestling wrestling at a center point always needs to have a foreign heel for the american hero because that plays well for obviously the main demographic which is america right you know where they, they play good at the rest of the world yeah i mean <laughs> and that's and that's the whole thing the whole u.s versus canada thing and that's why it was so like it was stupid yeah i mean it's like hey we're in bizarro world jr no we're not you dumbass we're in canada you, you fucking really think they're gonna boo edge in toronto you really think they're gonna boo fucking um bret hart in calgary or yeah you're fucking mine you know like like the worst example of it was rusev versus cena like rusev was so over even though he was quote-unquote russian which he's not he's bulgarian which was so disrespectful at the point because bulgaria right. and russia have a horrible history between each other yeah they do but rusev came out on a flipping tank yeah you know who i'm cheering for the guy with the tank <laughs> <laughs> all day long like he cried out a true russian tank out to wrestlemania and waved that flag had that star and he had Russian militant people, like obviously it was, you know, a bunch of jobbers and local guys. But right, that to me, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm not supposed to like this guy, but that's a sweet ass tank. That's a tank. <laughs> not only that, I mean, Rusev was really good at this point. Oh yeah, yeah, he was over like a million bucks at this point. The and point. like, it, like his song was so good, just that that true. Like bomb, bomb, bomb. Like just the way it hits or anything like that. And this is and this isn't even this wasn't even like the Rusev day era of Rusev. No, you know Rusev. Like I'm so mad that he did not stay in WWE because what he's doing now is utter trash and yeah. his runny shits. But you, if you listen to Jim Cornette, everything in AEW is trash right now. It's the best match. They finally had their best match ever, and it was that uh, match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Oh, he hated that, that, he hated that match too. He may have hated it, but that's the best match they have ever had on that show. That match was so good. Yeah, it was. It was very good. <laughs> and they gave it, it away for free. Restart. Oh, yeah. And they gave it away for free on TNT. And the thing is, like, Cornette's still the only person I've heard that actually doesn't like it. Other people who don't like AEW said they liked it. I liked what I saw from the highlights. I may actually go back and watch it. I don't watch AEW because they're trash and they don't know what they're doing. Their booking makes no sense. They're not pushing anybody besides the same four people. So yeah, but yeah. Uh, let's that, let's that, move on. That, that, <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I'm, no, no, I'm going to say this, and I may piss a few people off, but fuck it. 
I am so fucking sick and tired of so many people on the fucking internet saying, gee, you know, because just recently, not going to spoil it for anybody, but if I do, fuck it. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas just left up, just asked for his release in WWE. Stop, it was stop, great. Shh, whisper it. Don't, whisper, don't do this to me. It hurts me. I don't give a shit. It hurts me so much. Yeah. That's my favorite guy right now. Yeah, yeah, it really, yeah, it does. And it sucks that he's gone from WWE. I wish they would have done more with him. But if he does, for whatever reason, go to AEW, do you honestly really think that they're going to push him straight to the fucking moon and make him their champion. I think he's going to go to ROH with the rest of uh, his LIJ or uh, Los Ingobernables guys that are already there. Because Rush is there. Dude, him and ROH are uh, amazing. Absolutely. Well, here's be. the thing. If he but does go to ROH, think of all actually guys, push him. But think of all the guys that went to WWE, you know, be, uh, the whole AEW, you know, thing. The, the guys that left a the WWE that went to AEW. Aside from Moxley, Cody, Brody Lee, God rest his soul, and well, first off, Cody, Cody left way before, so right? I don't even count him as a WWE guy at that point. He was a New Japan ROH guy. Okay, so okay, so aside from Moxley, um, Brody Who's, Lee, and FTR, like what other WWE superstar came who Jericho. came from WWE? Well, Jer- but but Jericho was. Jericho's Jericho. That's a given. Jericho was going to go and get over it everywhere, everywhere he could anyway. You know, which, you know, aside from the guys, okay, let me let me ask this question. From the guys that left WWE to go to AEW after AEW was already a thing, how many of them guys have actually gotten like super mega pushes or gotten super mega over since leaving WWE? I mean, technically only two of them have, but Moxley can't wrestle a match unless it's a death match. I'm sorry. He's, his performance has gone down horribly since he left WWE. Brody Lee was booked mediocrely, um, and he also had health issues none of us knew about. Apparently, AEW did. They tried to do their best with him. Um, that man was amazing. I I miss him because I actually miss seeing a guy that big be that agile and just so precise. He was so fucking great. So yeah. over. But FTR, they're going over there, and they were doing some crappy gimmick. They, they kept jobbing out to the Bucks, which is horrendous because the bucks don't know how to work out of a paper bag Ooh. um i'm sorry if it's not a spot with hot a take. paper bag they don't know how to do it hot take <laughs> those guys are literally spot monkeys like they're they don't have any psychology whatsoever their matches make no sense you feel the same way about kenny omega yeah kenny omega's dropped down so much since he's left new japan new japan pretty much showed that hey we can make a star out of anybody and make them look like the greatest thing ever because we have guys like Okada, Naito, Bushi, um, Ibushi, I mean, um, Sonata, Evil, that when we put those guys together, they make everybody look great. Look at Jay White right now. Jay he White. He literally stepped in. Jay White. Stepped in. Yeah. Yeah. He stepped in, took that Kenny Omega role, and he's the best foreigner heel that makes sense in Japan because, hey, Japanese people are the heroes. Anybody else is not. The gaijins are the bad guys. Right. That's why the Bullet Club was so over as a heel faction because it was mostly American wrestlers. And any no, you don't think so? Uh, Finn Balor was not American. Well, he, was foreign. Foreign. he was foreign. He wasn't Japanese. He was. Yeah. He wasn't. He was. Japanese. I mean, yes, foreign. Like, really correct is, is the incorrect word. I apologize. Yeah. Foreign. Yeah, but they. It was a gaijin faction. They took right. over the Outsiders. But no, like yeah, that's why they were so because they're the cool guys from not here. They don't look like us, but they're so cool. <laughs> what are what are they going to bring from their side? Like, I mean, Tama Tonga to me is still probably one of the greatest bad guys of all time. He's still trying to run that faction. 
Dude, he looks so weird with short hair, no face paint now. I know, like, <laughs> but I, I still rock with the man because he's so. You know, he has a he has a sort of similar kind of thing that we do. I'm not gonna say the word because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to push it. You know, he does this thing too. Yeah, have you guys listened to it? I have. It's so good. Right. That that man knows. Like his, his insight is so good. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right, so Chip, you got the uh, the next one. This one's going to be a doozy because I literally this match was just on the television, and I tried my best yeah. not to watch this. But go ahead. Also, did you not fall asleep? Yes. Well, I'm, uh, I'm doing a podcast, so that's keeping me awake. <laughs> so we're going to talk about fans booing Brock Lesnar and Goldberg at WrestleMania 20. So heading into WrestleMania 20, news leaked that Goldberg would not be resigning with the WWE. Um, then. The blockbuster revelation uh, that Brock Lesnar would also be leaving the company after WrestleMania 20 to pursue a career in the NFL hit the internet. The problem is these two superstars were slated to face off one-on-one on the showcase of Immortals and uh, being officiated by Stone Cold Steve Austin. So three guys that technically weren't going to be there after this match um the fans in madison square garden booed both lesnar and goldberg mercilessly uh they rained down on those icons with the fury of the entire wwe universe uh betrayed (laughs) not that fury (laughs) yeah the fury of the entire wwe universe betrayed by their sudden and unexpected desire to bolt from the company the only icon in the ring to be cheered, Steve Austin, who seemed to bask in the wild atmosphere. Hell yeah, he was well, smiling the whole time. Well, of course, because why wouldn't he? He's right. like, like I hadn't wrestled in I don't know how long, and these motherfuckers still love me. Right. So. It was a year. His last match was the year prior at WrestleMania 19 against The Rock. Right. Um. So that Lesnar Goldberg stalled seemingly to stick it to the audience did not make matters any better eventually they did make contact and goldberg won the match but the crowd continued to vocalize its anger and frustration austin then sent the fans home happy dropping both men with stone cold stunners before celebrating with a few steve weisers uh but not even that could make up for one of the most surreal wrestlemania matches of all time yeah a lot of people believe um a lot of people believe that this is the worst match in WrestleMania history. Um, I, I agree. I mean, just, I mean, technically, I mean, we can also, I mean, hell, we can also say that the short match that they had at WrestleMania 34, in the grand scheme of things, was a little bit better. It had better storytelling, right? Yeah, it was a whole lot better. Um, and I think that, but that's what we expected back then, though, was just finisher, finisher, finishers. And we had to wait 14 more years to actually get the match we wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I honestly think that the match would have gotten over a little bit more had the, unfortunately, had the the internet leaks not have been, not have gotten out there. You know, had had everything just kept it, if Brock Lesnar just kept it quiet, like, okay, I'm going to take care of this after Mania. That way we're not, we don't fuck anything up for Mania. Goldberg with the same thought process. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, I really think the biggest issue was that the fact that they didn't 
even go into a hold for the first three minutes of the match. That oh, was, stalling, it, was it only three minutes? God, that it, feels it like It seemed forever. longer. Yeah, yeah, it felt like 15 minutes. But, like, I mean, the match totals are like 8, 12 minutes, something like that. Like, they only had, like, an actual, like, eight-minute match. But, like, the the you wasted the first three. Like, I could have understood if you guys backed each other and then powdered out and stalled that way. But the fact that they right. didn't even go into a hold for three minutes... With like even when, when I watched it, at, I mean, to me, WrestleMania 20 is my favorite WrestleMania of all time. Even though this match is on there, like when I was watching it as a kid, I watched this match. I'm like, yo, this is horrible. Right. And at this time, when it's WrestleMania 20, so I was like, 11, I think. And I'm watching this like, man, this is this is bad. Like, why are we why yeah. are we doing this? Why are we suffering through this? Like, <laughs> move on, do something. <laughs> Their match was 13 minutes and 43 seconds. With uh, actual like, seven or eight <laughs> minutes of actual in-ring work. Yeah, and the issue was that most of that was, like, they did a lot of stalling throughout the match because, remember, they got in Stone Cold's face just to set up, you know, the little, well, yeah, little it, tension between that and then, that. like, it was just so bad. Yeah. It was terrible. Like, yeah. if they would have, like, they could have, like, if that, after that first three minutes, if they would have went and actually tried to have a match match, it wouldn't have been so bad. Like, people probably wouldn't have cared. But when they were purposely just taking their time, stalling, not really doing much of anything, they tried to do some moves here and there. Like, no, we just wanted you guys to hit each other. Like, it should have been a like, like they should have made it look like a fist fight from the very get go. Right. It yeah. would. They should have totally, been duffing each other. Yeah. It, yeah. it would have totally changed the dynamic of what a future PG product would have looked like. Because WWE at the time was not a PG product at, yet. I don't believe. No. You know, it'll be a couple more years. Yeah, it was still TV fourteen. Um, you know, just the, the match in and of itself was like what you said, man. It was just it was god awful, and it could have gotten. I think it could have it could have made been, that a match way better than what it was. Um, like my issue too is they put Goldberg over just because Lesnar was leaving for the NFL, right? You like, know. nah, like that. That I understand Vince McMahon's very petty, but you put. You put Lesnar over in that, yeah, and con- yeah, and, con- and considering that the the NF because well, I don't know. I think the XFL thing is still Vince still holds a grudge for them. Um, so, man, but it- like, just think about it. If Goldberg, if Lesnar would beat Goldberg, his last quote unquote match at the time, he's been gone down as one of the probably the best of that generation, like hands down. Period. And when he comes back, he still has that mystique of being, oh, yo, he don't beat Goldberg his last match, and now he's coming back to take out the whole roster again. Right. Like, but I think his stint uh, in UFC kind of helped him along with that because I mean he had he he failed uh, in the NFL, and then he, instead of going back to pro wrestling, he then pursued mixed martial arts. But then, he did go back to pro wrestling. He oh, he went to Japan. Japan. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I forget that he goes that he went back to Japan, where him and Angle had some great matches. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then but, he won, didn't he win the IWGP championship and then just didn't come back to Japan to defend it? Uh, yeah. He stalled for a while. Yeah. And then they beat him. <laughs> like, they, they 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 beat that man. He learned his lesson. <laughs> but um, another quick tidbit. Um, do you guys know the reason why they started doing Steve Weiser's? Because Budweiser was, what, maybe saying, hey, you need to pay No, they, they were sponsored by Budweiser. You know why? They were Steve Weiser's though. 
Why? You know why? Because Stunko hates Budweiser and he was forced to drink them, so then he would make his own label over the beer he wanted and call it Steve Weiser. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That makes so sense. So it would, it would look just like the Bud, uh, Budweiser logo, but he would put Steve on it and he would drink whatever beer he wanted. Wow, that's crazy. Like, he hated... He talked about it like he's like... I. That's why he would like splash it on his face instead of drink it. Because he was forced to drink beer he didn't like. Oh my God. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, now he's got his own beer. beer. Um, uh, the Broken Control IPA, which you still can yeah. fucking get in Tennessee, damn it. You can order it offline. Yeah, you can get it ordered. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> if, there's one, if, if, there's one, if there's one beer I want ordered, it's Puppers. From Canada. Okay. Yeah. Never had it. Um, it's from the show Letter Kenny. Okay. They Never actually made the beer. Oh, you need if you go to Hulu and watch it. It's the driest, funniest Canadian humor ever. <laughs> it's the perfect blend of American humor and European humor, like together perfectly. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's get on to number two, so we can, uh, so I can talk about this one for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, I already knew that this one was gonna be the one that you uh, lose your shit on. Um, egomania runs wild, brother. Okay, this SNA. Okay, so let me set the scene for everybody. WrestleMania 9, Bret Hart, Yokozuna, the WWF Championship. What's going to happen? Let me break this down. When Mr. Fuji threw salt in the eyes of Bret the Hitman Hart and Yokozuna pinned him to win the WWF Championship... It felt like the coronation of the brand new dominant heel in the company. Foreign heel. Foreign heel in the company. Well, it doesn't say foreign here in the in the in the in the blur. But he was. They built him from Japan. Yeah, even you know he was a Japanese. He was. Yeah, he, he was Samoan. He was a real Samoan. Yawani. <laughs> anyway, it was an announcement by WWE to the rest of the wrestling world that it was going to try its hand with a massive bad guy at the top of the card whom all baby faces should chase. Hold on real quick. Shouldn't that be what wrestling is, though? Yes. Yeah. Isn't, isn't the journey and the reward for it what we care about? Yes. Yeah. It's it's always about the chase. It's always about yeah. the chase. Except... Which I think is, which is so stupid with internet fans. Sorry, hold on one more thing. Like, oh, we like this guy when he's chasing, but when he's champion, he's overbooked. Like, I never understood that. Hey, it's, it's like that, you know, with, with wrestlers that get pushed down our throats, quote unquote. Um, you know, Roman Reigns, I do this for the fans. I love the fans. We hate you. Fuck all you fans. Yay, you're awesome. You yeah, but Roman, Roman was people like no Roman was pushed though, like a little too much. Like at that time, it, he was not. He should not have been the guy. It should have still been Seth Rollins. Right. Yes. But, but but you can sit now. But you can now look at what Roman's doing, and you can say he's doing the best work of his career right now. Uh, I can say I, I think so. I, mean, I don't know about the best. It's, of, like it's definitely the best mic work of his career. Oh yeah, definitely the best mic work, but not his best work. Like he's like when he was a mid card guy, yeah, that was probably his best work when he was working with the mid card guys. When he got punished for uh, uh, the performance enhancement stuff, yeah. right? But that when he did it around that mid card, like he was put on some stellar matches, and he was actually like putting matches on. He was doing different moves. Um, remember, he, that's when he was doing the spin-out powerbomb and everything. Right, yeah. All right. Well, let me get back to this so I can hear you rage. Um, so, like what I said before, 
It was an announcement made by WWE to the rest of the wrestling world that it was going to try its hand with a massive bad guy at the top of the card whom all the babyfaces would chase. Except, then it wasn't. As Yokozuna celebrated his win, Hulk Hogan... <coughs> Calm down, Roger. Hulk Hogan rushed to the ring to check on the blinded Bret Hart. Cocky and arrogant... Following the victory, the new champion had Mr. Fuji issue the challenge to the Hulkster for a title shot right then and there. Timeout. Why the fuck would a heel, even a cocky, arrogant heel, give a championship title opportunity to a fresh person when they just got through with a fucking match? Granted, I understand the cockiness, and you know, like, but here's the thing. Yokozuna's character, in my opinion, wasn't a cocky, arrogant character. He was a badass fucking Samoan. I'm sorry, Samoan Japanese wrestler who could beat the fuck out of you. Like, like the thing with Yokozuna is that he was a quiet monster, right? Where he had a he had a mouthpiece for a reason, right? Like, like, like Mr. Fuji. Even it was, it was even out of character for Mr. Fuji to say that shit. You know what I mean? Anyway, let me continue. Let me continue. In a, uh, I'm the one that's supposed to be raging, right? I know, right? <laughs> In a moment that would provide the show a spark to close out while the infuriating hardcore fans, while infuriating hardcore fans, Hogan accepted and won the belt with his trademark leg drop. Hogan must post. He, we, we knew from the eight prior events and he did just that. He closed out the festivities in Las Vegas that night for casual fans. It was merely the biggest star in wrestling reclaiming his throne. But for everybody else, it was a blatant and cheap booking decision to placate Hogan's ego at the expense of both Yokozuna and Bret the Hitman Hart, the two stars tapped to be the future of the company. It was self-serving and it only benefited Hulk Hogan's legacy. The creative team, headed by Vince McMahon himself, was complicit because they allowed it to happen, but that one instance nearly set back the company for an entire year and proved some superstars weren't about elevating stars. They were only about elevating themselves. Roger, I give the floor to you. Take it away. So, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I think we did talk about the Yokozuna icon. WWE icon? Yes. Yes. So, beautiful, so good. Beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful piece. I like, finally got. Uh, I finally sat down and watched it. Uh, not so not last not last night, but uh, Saturday, like Saturday afternoon. Something really fucking good, really good. Um, so in that moment, they are talking to Bret Hart um, and Hulk Hogan Bret Hart for the situation. Bret Hart was beyond pissed, <laughs> as he should be, um, and Hulk Hogan was very regretful at the time at when he did the interview. Obviously. Um, Whenever they did, I guess last year or the year before, maybe. Um, right. But he did talk about like he he came up to Vince and he's like, "Hey, I'm about to go to these movies. You know, I'm gonna be gone for a while. Can I just have one more run?" And Vince was like, "Eh, I don't really know." And Hulk Hogan's Hulk Hogan's it, and he somehow gets his way. Um. Then they come to what was, was it the night before Mania that they come up to Yokozuna and Bret Hart and tell him what the situation is, or was it like the week before? I think it was the night before. Uh, I thought it was day of. It may have been the night before, but it was it was it, like super it, close. It was definitely it was, in twenty four to forty eight hours of the event. Yeah, so it, it's pretty. It's, yeah, we it, pretty much right before the match, anyways. Because even if it's the night before, it's the day. It's before the match. Yeah. But 
Bret Hart's talking about how they come up to them and they were like, hey, so we're putting the strap on Yoko for him to drop it to Hogan. And Bret Hart goes in because why the hell would you do that? Why would you build this man up for a year to give him a title to drop it in like 20 seconds? Right. This is supposed to be your monster. And your monster gets literally taken out before he does anything. Just to satisfy Hulk Hogan's ego. Ego. Ego, ego, ego. And at the po- at that point, nobody gave a crap about Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan did not have the star power that he had used to. No. At this point, Bret Hart and Yoko were the one and two. So why are you going to bring in the guy that's like maybe number 10 at this point? Because they're not booking him a lot. He's about to leave to go do a movie. I think he was getting ready to go do Thunder in Paradise because this was right before he signed with um, WCW as well. Am I right? I think yeah. It's like yeah. yeah at this point, yeah, yeah, he signed. So yeah, yeah, he signed with WCW in 1994. So yeah, it would have been like yeah. right. This was right before. So Hogan's like, I'm just gonna have this run, whatever. But but why? Like it never makes sense to me why. Especially at this point, he had no, he had no carrying power. Nobody cared. Right. There was points where people actually were booing Hogan with this title during that time, and they cheered Yokozuna during this time. Yeah, um, and, and it, it, again, man, it, it's one of them situations where you allowed, I guess, because, I guess, because Vince felt like. Hogan was the reason for the, the the success of WWF at the time. You know, or maybe Hogan played the whole like, hey, I did this for you. I did that for you. You know, you can do something for me, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, but no, um, I'm sorry. I, uh, that was wrong. Um, it was actually 1993 when this took place, not 1994. Um, yeah, because he, he yeah. won it at WrestleMania. And then uh, he dropped it. He dropped it at the King of the Ring on June thirteenth, uh, and then sat the rest of the year. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. So you, he held it for three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Hey, did you know that uh, that same night, the dark match of that King of the Ring event in ninety three. Uh, the main the uh, the dark match was Papa Shango defeated Brett. I'm sorry, defeated Owen Hart in a singles match for the USWA United United World Heavyweight Championship. You guys, uh, think that didn't yes. exist. Yeah, that was yeah. a that was an interesting turn of events. I didn't I didn't know that happened. So, but um, this this right here just marks another piece of the Hogan burial proceedings. Like everybody talks about. All the John, like like you were saying, wrestling regret was doing the eight people John Cena buried. I can probably name twelve people that Hogan buried. Right. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, Roddy Piper should have definitely been champion multiple Mr. times. Mister Perfect, King Kong Bundy champion. Was King Kong Bundy not champion though? I don't think was he. I don't think he was. I don't think he was. Uh, that's really weird. I thought he was. Yeah. Um, so so during this time. Uh, when after Hogan beat Yoko, he actually went on and did a, a small run in New Japan as the WWE uh, or WWF champion, where he defeated uh, the great Muda. Uh, then he wrestled Muda again under the Keiji Muto 
name, but then he wrestled the Hellraisers with Muda and Masachono as his tag partners in his last match in Japan before signing with WCW. Uh, he defeated Tatsumi Fujinami. Mm. Back when they made Hulk Hogan wrestle. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's another guy. You had brought him up, Masahiro Chono. This. I, I think in, in terms of like wrestling lore, like, I mean, I, I still think Masahiro is probably one of the best technical wrestlers I've seen, um, especially in this WCW run when he had that big run in WCW. Uh, and then he, you know, he was, I think, the leader of NWO Japan, wasn't he, for a while? Uh, yes. yes. He was the leader of NWO Japan, yeah. Um, because that's when, because they started the NWO, I think they did, they started the NWO over in Japan first, and then it came over to uh, the U.S., um, and then they didn't acknowledge it until later on, uh, I think it was, with, it was a WCW Nitro event, um, I think Sonny Ono was out there with uh, uh, Masahiro Chono, and um, they, uh, he was he was promoting New Japan, and had the brand new New Japan logo, he had a brand new New Japan shirt on, and he was like, yo, show him your new shirt, show him your new New Japan shirt, and he unzipped his little robe, and he opened it up, and it was an NWO shirt, and, he, and Sonny Ono was like, what the hell, you know, or whatever, you know, um, yeah. but yeah, I, I, very few things I remember, so wrestling being one of them. All right, so let's get to number one. Um, Roger, if you want to go ahead and take this one. Um, number one, to be honest, I don't think it's number, like, for a while I thought it would be, number, in my opinion, would be number one, but I've actually dropped it on number two. Um, and number one, well, I think it's number one I'll tell after this. But number one on this list is the streak ending, Lesnar being the one in 21 and one. Um, 2014 Undertaker versus Lesnar uh, 21 and 0 going into the match and um, obviously the streak carried weight so Hogan wow Um, Undertaker was obviously the favorite to win Um, I mean he's beating everybody literally he went against um, that man was overwhelming favorite if only because fans had watched him conquer every opponent who had ever stepped into him on the grand stage Superfly, Jimmy Snuka, CM Punk, all had fallen at his feet as he amassed the most iconic win streak in wrestling history. There was no reason to believe Lesnar would be any different. Obviously, he was. Um, the Beast delivered one final F5 to the Phenom, covering him and hooked the leg for good measure. The fans in New Orleans Superdome expecting a kickout, making the referee's three count that more, much more stunning. Um, and obviously, we have that you know, memorable moment where we see the guy... The black guy in the crowd with the glasses was his mouth agape, um, Boy, and his eyes bugged out. Eyes yes. bugged yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, I mean, people were speculating a botch finish. Um, people didn't want to believe it. You know, everything just didn't make sense. Um, it was quiet. It actually really was quiet at the time. Like you could hear cameras clicking at that point. Like it was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> In the days that followed the Undertaker's shock and loss, some spouted conspiracy theories while other harshly criticized WWE for wasting such a monumental moment on a guy like Lesnar. He was, after all, already an established star. He was. Um, like, to me, this is not the worst thing. Like, him losing, like, Undertaker wanted to lose a long, he wanted to lose back to Orton back in the day, so, I mean, he didn't care about the streak. It was a gimmick that just 
evolved. It took a life uh, on pretty right. Much. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you guys a funny story. Um, I went and watched uh, Mick Foley do stand-up comedy one night here at the Comedy Catch uh, in Chattanooga. Uh-huh. And um, he tells the story about this match. And uh, he starts it off. He said, I'm, I'm going to explain to you guys why Brock Lesnar was the perfect person to end the streak. Um, and uh, one guy in the crowd, he's a heckler. He he's, says, he tells me, he's like, fuck Brock Lesnar. And uh, me, he's like, yeah, I bet you won't say that to his face. Uh, and the dude's like, yeah, yeah, I will. He's like, oh, well, you know, here, I'll give you his address. You just go knock on his door and tell him that. And I guarantee he beats the shit out of you. But uh, it, it was so funny. But uh, <clears throat> he explains why Brock Lesnar was the perfect person to end the streak. And it's because Brock Lesnar was A, a legit badass. But B, Brock Lesnar doesn't give a fuck what people actually think about him. You know, so he could take the ridicule of being the guy to end the streak because he got a lot of it. Right. You know, you know, I was listening. So to, I, I thought that was real interesting. Yeah. I was listening to uh, uh, a talk of Jericho a while back ago. It had Edge and Paul Heyman on it. And uh, they were actually talking about the streak and Lesnar beating it and whatever. Um, Edge had a pretty interesting comment when he said, you know, if we're looking, if we're looking at it, yes, it had impact and it was a and it was a uh it was a very shocking moment in professional wrestling but at the same time people they, they were basically um, not arguing but they were talking the validity of lesnar being the one being the only one who have to could you know beat the streak and edge makes the comment he says well if we're looking at it from that perspective armchair quarterback he shouldn't have lost to triple h at the mania before he shouldn't have lost to john cena when he came back you know, so what he had when he beat the streak, it had great impact. But if he hadn't have lost to John Cena or Triple H, imagine the impact that it would have had. You see what I'm saying? But I was like, that was a couple of years apart, though. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I but, so. but but even still, though, those wins would have carried over. He would have he could have easily said, "I've beaten Cena. I've beaten Triple H. I'm I'm here to take." You. But he did beat Cena and Triple H after that, though. Like he beat, he got his revenge against both of them. Cena, yeah, but I don't, I don't ever remember recalling him ever getting. Yeah, because remember he got, oh, he, he got uh, Triple H into Kimura, broke his arm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay, so that was. Yeah. He, okay. He got his. That, yeah. So he got his revenge. Uh, yeah, he lost his first match against Cena, which I mean, he's coming back, and Cena is obviously the the goat at that time for them. You're not going to have Cena just drop it right then and there, but then you, after he did that, they. Brock Lesnar becomes even more, you know, ferocious. He becomes right. stronger. Like, and that buildup made sense. And he got his revenge. He beat Cena. And when he gets Triple H, Triple H beat him. Then he broke Triple H's arm. So he got more ruthless. And from then on, he became, you know, the man to be the, the myth of Brock Lesnar at that point. Right. right. So, I mean, like, I don't understand what Edge was trying to say at that point. <laughs> Maybe the fact I mean, that. I, I, I get it, but. It's also some some guys it, it are are a little short sighted when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, like to me, to be honest, like to me, this like I said, it was my number one, but it dropped down to number two. The thing that overtook this for me was 
them not putting Bray Wyatt over Undertaker as the next, you know, oh yeah, a supernatural wrestler like that was. And, and now they're that was yeah, the, uh, that was the, that was the year. Uh, it's like the year after. It was the year after. Yeah, uh, thirty one. Yeah. yeah, which made no sense. Why but then they, they put Roman Reigns over on him? Yeah, the year after that, then they have seen a moose. The year after, like the the track record, made no, at that point. I mean, the Cena no. thing didn't matter, but it was the, the fact that it was like a five minute squash match really irritated me. But John Cena just wanted to have that moment with Undertaker, so to me, that's okay. The Roman Reigns thing, it was okay, but Undertaker was Roman, sloppy in it. The Roman, Roman, the Roman Reigns things, in my opinion, was kind of unnecessary in a sense. Because Roman was already your top guy, you didn't have to have him beat. No, he was not the top guy. Because remember, he had lost to Lesnar a few times already. He had lost to Rollins a few times already. He he was. They were trying to build him to be that mega guy at that point. But that's what I'm saying, though. In Vince's eyes, Roman was already there, but he needed to get that extra boost. So winning against, you know, if if the Lesnar thing, let's just let's just say, just for argument's sake. It wasn't Brock Lesnar who beat the streak. The streak continued. Yeah. If you if 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 it was Cena that beat it, or if it was Roman that beat it, that's a wrestling win. That's a that's a that's a wrestling win. The argument can be made if you want to add the quote unquote legitimacy factor to professional wrestling. The legitimacy factor could be that Brock Lesnar, because he was an NCAA heavyweight champion, because he was former WWF champion, because he was a UFC heavyweight champion, that he brought a little bit of the quote-unquote realism to professional wrestling, and that there was anybody who could take a win from The Undertaker, it would be Brock Lesnar. And that's why, in my opinion... I don't really look at this as controversial. I look at it as shocking. I look at it as a holy shit moment. I don't look at it as controversial because just like what we've already discussed, Undertaker didn't give a shit about the streak. That streak was more for the fans who cared about the Undertaker as a character. Like for me, that's what it was. I didn't find yeah. this really that controversial. It was a, it was a it was a shocking win. It was a holy shit moment, but it wasn't controversial. The only reason why yeah. it was considered controversial. I think because it was the guy who who pinned him. Yeah, I mean nobody liked Lesnar. I mean, right. I've just now started respecting what Lesnar brought to wrestling on this this run again. I, I didn't like him. I hated the fact that he would only show up a few times a year uh, and have have literally a five minute match with just three German suplexes and an F five. But when he started working guys that he wanted to work instead of the guys he's already worked. He started putting in work, like real wrestling man. Like, like his feud with Samoa Joe is beyond underrated. Right, like that to me was such a great run. Right, his match against Finn Balor, amazing. AJ Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan, amazing. Yeah, AJ Styles. Like the one that really always caught me off guard was the burial of Ricochet. Yes. Like, <laughs> why? Um, all those matches against Rollins were good. The Roman Reigns matches were really good, especially that WrestleMania one. The before Rep- Rollins yeah. cashed in. Yeah. Like, they were beating the crap out of each other. They were snug. They were hitting each other. They both were bleeding. They were making it a legitimate fight. And that was Lesnar secretly putting Roman over because he was beating Les- Roman, and Roman kept getting up. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know? But, like... And then, then the swerve with the the, the, the cash in, 
uh, technically, Lesnar didn't take the pin. Roman took the pin, but it wasn't like he lo Roman lost in a sense like he lost, he lost. It was a surprise entrant. Like, he was already beat up. A fresher guy came in, took the match from him. Lesnar's protected because he's Lesnar. I mean, yeah, he's not going to take that pin. But, like, even now, like, I, I miss Lesnar. Like, I really do. But see, a lot of people believe, um, if you believe the reports, um, which most of the time I don't, but if you believe the reports, a lot of people would say, oh, well, um, we're going to make, Brock Lesnar's going to come back and he's going to be the one to challenge Bobby Lashley because that's the match that everybody really wanted to see. Good. Good. I, I yeah. think that'll be a good match. I think it'd be they're a great both match. Le they're both legitimate heavyweight fighters. Yeah. Legitimate. Yeah, but yeah, I think a lot of people... I got MMA fighters. My 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 theory is I don't think Lesnar will be at this year's Mania, but I do think at some point down the road, possibly maybe SummerSlam, maybe I think Lashley and Lesnar will probably hook it up, and uh, I think they're going to Lashley, do Lashley won't hold it that long. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm, not about, I'm not talking about for the title. I think just because it's a match to have. I think now Lesnar Lesnar is a prize fighter. He will not do anything that's not for the title. Well, I mean, Which, if we can do, I mean, all right. So, you know, come up. WWE can figure out some way to manipulate the situation to where they can make the match happen. You know, I mean, it should happen at Mania. To be honest, especially since they're going to have a crowd. Right, but yeah. I think Mac. But I think what I think what they're doing is they're giving McIntyre the, the opportunity to win the championship in front of a crowd because he didn't get to have it. He got his due to the COVID situation. He he wasn't able to have that opportunity last year. You know, with, I mean, they can do that, but it's, it's still a forced thing. If that's what they're doing, it's very forced and will probably go over badly. To be honest. Well, I mean, if the match is good and the quality of the match is great, even if you, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, even if you know the outcome, if the match is still great, I mean, you can still, if the match makes you at any point question who you think is going to win, then it's done its job. Even if you know for, you know for a fact that Drew McIntyre is going to win this match, if at any point you think, holy shit, Bobby Lashley might win this thing, then, then they did their job, you know? And that's the great thing about pro wrestling is that it gives the guys in the ring the ability to suspend the belief. Like we think we know what's going to happen. Hell, we all thought Roman Reigns was going to win the win the uh, Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar at 34. Didn't happen. We all thought Undertaker was going to continue the streak against Lesnar at 30. Didn't happen. So yeah, I mean WWE does have the ability to keep you know shocking us every once in a while. I don't. I think this year is going to be no different. We're going to at least see one, maybe two surprises on this uh, WrestleMania, and it's a two-night main. Two so you never know. Yeah, it's two-night, which means you're going to have a cinematic match somewhere, which will be Orton versus Bray Wyatt, and another Firefly Funhouse match, which I actually love. Yeah, um, I think out of all the cinematic matches that happened, I think the Firefly Funhouse match between Bray Wyatt and Cena was my favorite. Um, after that, the Bone Yard <sighs> match, and then after that, probably. Uh, what was the what was the other what was the other cinematic matches that I seen? Um, 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 the Money in the Bank. Yeah, the Money in the Bank. Actually... The Money in the Bank would have been cool if the aerial shot hadn't caught the crash pads <laughs> that they threw them on. But the Money in the Bank would have been cool if Otis actually got to cash in his Money in the Bank instead of losing it to the Miz and then getting buried. Right. Yeah. Oh no, they got they got him in a they got him in a tag team uh, with uh, Chad Gable now. Yeah, they um, took him out of a tag team to put him in a tag team. Well, I think they took him away from Tucker to put him with somebody who's a more established tag team guy 
now heavy machinery is amazing as a tag team they did that story because they were going to put the they were still having him be a solo guy so it could make sense for him if he ever cashed it in and they just scrapped the plans to have him cash it in well they right. scrapped the plans because they wanted him to lose weight that's why keith lee hasn't been on tv they want him to lose weight yeah. which is yeah i understand like vince mcmahon has this thing for like just have him wear a shirt you could let kevin Owens wear a shirt like vince I mean, get over it dude exactly yeah but the fact that keith lee's doing that with the gut he has vince should be drooling like this guy is amazing, and right. he he's literally an well, I'm not gonna say an average looking guy because he's tall as crap, but you know anybody he, can do this. Well, when like, he's coming down to the ring, and Brock Lesnar's like, "Who's this big motherfucker?" Yeah, I'll like, tell you something right there. That to me was the moment where I, like it solidified my my respect for Lesnar because that that Royal Rumble, who could have done that? Nobody, right? Exactly, and it and it made everything made sense. And the fact that Lesnar literally booked that match up to his loss, everything after his loss was not him, blows my mind. The fact that he put over the people he put over, obviously the guys that got thrown out need to get thrown out because they're nobody mid carders and jobbers and stuff. Right, but but then again, he, but then again, you talked you brought up the whole thing with Ricochet, and then Ricochet actually. Uh, gave Lesnar the low blow, which caused McIntyre to hit the broad kick on that broad. Yes, or to hit the. Clay. So if it wasn't for Ricochet, Drew McIntyre never would have won the Rumble. Thank you. <laughs> you said, but it no, not. like it. It was revenge. It was Ricochet getting revenge for what happened on Monday, where Lesnar low blowed him, which Lesnar planned out himself too. Right. Exactly. He didn't do the burial of Ricochet. Vince did the ri- burial of Ricochet. Exactly. So to hit Lesnar, giving him a hey, you know, sorry about this. You get to be part of the elimination, right? And, the, and like, yeah. See, that's the cool thing. See, here's the thing, and I think a lot of people, when when Lesnar was on Stone Cold's podcast, um, he said, "Yo, so so you're not really a, you're not really you know a wrestling fan." He goes, "Here's the thing. It's not that I'm not a wrestling fan. I never watched wrestling when I was growing up. I was never a big fan of wrestling because I never watched it. I was I spent most of the time out there in the farm, you know, because he's just a good old country boy from fucking Webster, South Dakota." You know, well, like the thing is, like if you hear people when they talk about Lesnar backstage, they all have nothing but good things to say about him. The only knock he ever has is that he's not a people person. No, he, he doesn't like being around right. people. And you know, but, you know what? There, I know plenty of people who aren't people pe- persons. You know, but I mean, if you get them in a social situation where they can feel like they can kind of let their guard down a little bit, that's not that bad, you know. Or if they're in a we're in a we're in a professional setting where you know this person can give advice about how to do your job better or something like that or you know whatever you're like yeah okay cool but there are people who are very chris benoit was a very private person you know chris benoit was you know not a whole lot of you know everybody everybody liked chris everybody respected chris but he wasn't a he wasn't a people person except for maybe the small group of people that he allowed in his circle, the Chris Jericho's, the Eddie's, the Ben, the the, uh, the Chavos, you know, Malenko's, you know, those guys. But like, that's the thing though. Like, just because you're not a people person doesn't mean you're like that. He got this reputation of being an asshole because he had to put the persona on the WWE to be an asshole. Obviously, he had to sell tickets. Uh, he learned that from wrestling. His wrestling gimmick, uh, when he was the first run, he was an asshole because he was the next biggest thing, and that nobody could stop him. Right. And then nowadays he's. Uh, considered an asshole because he just comes in, works three or four matches a year, buries quote unquote buries people, even though he puts people over, um, and still wins the match. Like, 
just because he doesn't like people doesn't mean he's an asshole. Like, the dude's, like, uh, so many people talk about him with, like, such, like, this respect level. Like, you like you would put on somebody, like, you actually, like, admired. And it's ridiculous, like, how people talk about him. Yeah, but, but the thing is, and, that, and that's one thing me and Chip talked about, is that, like, don't get me wrong. I love... I love the fans that come and watch us perform. I love them. They pay their hard-earned money to come and sit down and allow us to suspend their disbelief for a few hours. Like that, that I, I, I wrestle for those people. The people I don't wrestle for are the people who like to get on the internet and bitch and complain about something that they have no real reason to bitch and complain about. It's a, it's as simple as this. If you don't like what's on your television, God made you a remote control. Change the motherfucker if you don't like watching it. You know, like, like that's why I like being a hill manager because I don't have to pander to the crowd. Right. I literally can be rude and disgusting to the crowd. I mean, I won't overstep my boundaries, but literally, like people out there, like I, like I'm walking around the ring. Oh, I can't see. Good. I don't care. Right. Move. Yeah. I would Too be bad. You already, you already paid your ticket. Guess what? I, I don't give a crap about you. Yeah. Right. I don't care about you. At this that's point. that's that's why I'm having so much fun with this run I'm doing right now at RCW. I'm just going out there and just being the biggest asshole I can possibly be, and I got a little bit more freedom to, you know, get away with a few things, but not so much that you know, you know, the the, the owner's going to be like, "Hey, Talon, I need you to stop, you know, doing that because you know you're offending people." Like, fuck them people, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't say like, fuck. Obviously, I'm not going that far, but I mean, still, I mean, but I say it. Okay. <laughs> right but i'm saying it, it is it is a different it, it's different because it's like because again like me and chip talked about this you know a while back ago we live in a day and age where nothing's a secret anymore everything gets leaked um the even the fucking companies themselves are feeding information to the dirt sheets the the, the the figure four online and the wrestling observer newsletters and, p- and places like that you know um actually that, the reason why wrestling observer buries wwe product and uh raises aew so much is because wwe is purposely sending fake information to them and it's pissing them off because they're no longer the scoop people but aew obviously gives them everything they want that's why kenny omega was considered the wrestler of the year or no, John Moxley was considered wrestler of the year for them, and AEW is a the, the promotion for them, and Tony Khan the promoter for them. Like, shut up! Like y'all are salty because WWE literally found a way to make sure you guys would stop spoiling stuff. Yeah, you're telling me that anybody on AEW had a better year than uh, Drew Drew uh, McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, uh, Roman Reigns? Like, let's be real about this. Bailey. Adam Bailey, Cole. Sasha. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, everybody talks about how AEW is winning in the TV ratings. So what? They may be winning in the TV ratings, but WWE is getting millions of views online. Okay, so <laughs> that is it for this uh, edition of Something About Sports, our top 10 most controversial moments in wrestling hit in the WrestleMania history. Hope you guys did enjoy that one. Um uh, it was a good uh, show, I think. Uh, I hope you guys both enjoyed the content that we uh, provided the fans this evening. Oh, I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. Awesome. All right. Um, that being said, Chip, anything you want to say before we get out of here today? Um, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio. Uh, Roger, anything about the Patreon page? I mean, we're still continuing the Eminem saga. Uh, Underwrap Rewind, obviously. Uh, 
more battle topics just in general um you know just great stuff and hopefully here soon we can get the um some of something another project going something we were thinking about starting up but i'm gonna be hush hush on that other than that you know moveitradio.us as always yes and uh we thank you guys again for tuning in also check out the archives check out the uh the uh uh past episodes that we've had um working on more uh Rock retrospectives, more evening with episodes are coming out. We got like a list of names we got fixing to go down. Um, more listicles uh, coming out soon. And um, we thank you guys again. Tune into this episode of Something About Sports. We love you guys. Thank you for all the love and support. We'll see you guys next time. Chip, let's hit him with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. Patreon.com, movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.